Hi, I'm Michaela Loach. And I'm Rebecca. And this is the Yikes Podcast. Welcome back to the Yikes Podcast, the podcast about all the things that make us go yikes. All those things that can be super overwhelming or make us want to run away from them. But instead, we say that we need to lean into the yikes of the situation and transform that anxiety, that fear, all those emotions into action that will transform our world um, together. Um, So I'm Michaela, if I haven't said that already, (laughs) and I've just come back from COP27. Nice. I'm Jo, and I've just been coming back from actions. (laughs) (laughs) um and we are going to be giving a bit of an update i think on like what we've been up to the two of us haven't done an episode together in a while Mm -hmm. and that used to be like that used to be what every episode was um but for various reasons um we've been very busy beans i mean i've i've written a book (laughs) um which will be coming out next year you can pre-order it now link link is in the episode description it's called it's not that radical climate actions transform our world i'm so excited about it i might like touch on it a bit more later but um yeah, but that's kept me busy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's strange because this is like a proper first catch up. And we were just reflecting on how mm. last year COP, it was the last time we were actually in like physical space. I can't believe Together. That. And I mean, Glasgow was a fucking shit show. It was. Yeah. And I think the last time I saw you, it's really sad. Like, it makes me really sad that's the last time we saw each other in person because... I gen- I'm not I'm not exaggerating. I had a genuine mental breakdown after. No, you were a different person. Like... I was I was not okay. Like no. I went from seeing you to to going and like the BBC had asked me to go to this like climate debate or something, yeah. and they told me that I was going to like do a question. I was so stressed about it. I remember I had a shot in the bar on my own. I don't know. If yes, you were there yeah, yeah. I, did it. I had a shot on my own. Yeah, <laughs> because I, I was just that. stressed. Yeah, and then I went and they didn't even ask me the question. They made me sit in the studio the whole time. Yeah, I and that. and I remember and I actually I've never had like. I don't know, it literally broke me. <laughs> Such yeah, a small thing. We were on the phone. It was the after, pressure of the whole yeah, week. It was horrible. Yeah, and I was I was just not okay. Like, um and so it's, yeah, it's sad that was the last time we saw each other. But we but we're hoping that we'll actually see each other for nice vibes soon. Yeah. Um and and but this is genuinely us gonna be catching up a bit on what we've been doing. Yes. Um and also just to let everyone know that very sadly this is gonna be the last episode of Yikes just for a wee while. Um our brilliant um like sound magician editor who mm. makes all the amazing music in this podcast from scratch, like incredible. Um Philly Moet will be leaving the Yikes team, the Yikes mm. Yikes gang. Um so this will be Finn's last episode. Um and so we're gonna be taking a little bit of a break. Um after that and um the podcast will be coming back at some point um but it also feels like good timing given that joe and i um we have a lot of of things on but we want to just um give yeah give um flowers and thanks to finn um for the work that um, he's put into this podcast Um, yeah big up big up finley mart big up finn yeah it's been really nice to like start and i think all of us have grown a lot in this and yeah it's been like really mm. and i think people have been enjoying the bops and the, the bits and the sounds yeah. so i mean yeah so it's been really nice and i think i mean reflecting on this season um something you know we've been playing around with different formats um recording mm. with other people and and then also mm. doing the on the front lines mini series which i'm I think both of us are incredibly like proud of that we found a way to mm. kind of yeah learn from other groups and kind of put them like use our platform 
for other people so they can use it in a way that they yeah. um, can share their stories and and kind of connect through that and so that's something that I think also now in this break like even though I think both of us are really ready for some rest it's also really nice mm. to have uh, space to think about new ideas and um, yeah just think about what the podcast is going to be like in the future and so yeah, yeah. But it's always sad to like think about ending a season, even though we need it, but also like, mm. yeah, but also, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. We, we're going to, we, don't worry, we're coming back. We're Just coming a back, passion project, back. you and, know, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> on on the back of um, talking about on the front lines episodes, a good segue into mm. um, talking about, about COP27, um, as I was able to meet some of the people who've done those on the front lines episodes in person, which is really amazing. Um, yeah, If you don't know that on the front lines is, is a series basically where we like, have a group or movement or people from all over the world on the front lines of the climate crisis and other liberation struggles um, come on and um, speak to and share their story of their struggles um, and also yeah how how they resist and and how they organise. Um, one of the people was Crispus um, from the Abuse Climate Network who I got to meet in person at the panel actually mm. that um, was the last episode of this podcast. Um, so do have a listen to that. It was a live podcast. It was amazing um, inside the cop itself. Um, oh yeah, thank you. I really enjoyed it. Like it was it's a really powerful panel. Some incredible youth activists from all over the world mm. who are taking so many different actions and different tactics to try and transform our world. Got to meet Christmas there, which was amazing. Also got to see Kato, who did the Saving Tuvalu episode on the front nice. lines, which is the most recent episode on the front lines, which is really lovely. I mean, I, I met Kato at um, uh, COP26 in Glasgow. In Glasgow. Yeah. But um, COP, people who don't know, is the Conference of the Parties. This is the tw- this was the 27th one. Um, it's going to be going on for more than 27 years. Um, and it's basically the UN's big climate summit. Governments from all over the world, civil society groups working on climate... Sadly, a hundred and no, sorry, not a hundred, six hundred and thirty-six fossil fuel lobbyists as well mm. all came Bet. to Sharm El Sheikh in Egypt, um, yeah, <laughs> to um, decide the fate of the world in many ways. Mm. Um, big climate agreements come out of this, like the Paris Agreement, for example, in previous yeah. years, or the Glasgow Climate Pact, which came out of last year, which do have a big impact on the world in certain ways. Um, like sadly they haven't done enough like we're still on the current agreements would still have us be on track for 2.4 degrees of warming which is mm-hmm. well over the catastrophic levels of 1.5 that we're trying to limit to mm-hmm. um but if we hadn't had these agreements we could be on a much worse track so they do have a big impact in, in different ways um doesn't mean that we they're enough it just means we should demand more um and yeah this one was in egypt which was a very strange situation um because whilst this cop was happening um Hundreds of political prisoners, including um, Allah, were imprisoned by the Egyptian mm-hmm. government. Um, and Allah started a water strike on the start of um, COP27. Uh, COP you can look up um, about Allah's plight. Um, and please, please do. I met with his sister, Sana, um, the week before heading to Egypt. Um, and he's been imprisoned for over nine years for um, basically making people believe the world can be better. Um, and having a blog and sharing a Facebook post that um, about kind of those revolutionary ideas um and yeah it was a, it was a, it was definitely a strange vibe um a, like a if, i don't know how much to say about it but i think it was weird because like, even now i feel scared about saying stuff mm. because when you were there like we had been briefed beforehand that that everywhere's bugged like the, all the taxis had mm. microphones in them they had cameras in them that were watching you all the time um like within the cop itself there was a huge amount of um 
secret police that were in there as delegates by the like Egyptian government that would literally just like stand next to you as you're talking or having a conversation or that like they had these young people who'd come up and try and have yeah and it was so weird they'd have these like Mm -hmm. young volunteers come up to you um, and try and like ask you oh where are you going tell me what you're doing tell me about this and it was like you just felt like you were constantly being watched like even the fact that the COP27 app investigations into it found that it basically bugged your phone and gave the Egyptian government all of your data and your information um so when you when we were there even if we were in private like we felt nervous about saying anything um that was in contrary to the Egyptian state and I think and that was us as like very privileged people who were there like on cop visas as well so they were had like significant more protection and and um came from various western governments as well um, so like, I just want to say like a huge amount of, um, solidarity with all the peoples of, in Egypt who are resisting this, um, CC's oppressive regime and that like all of us like cannot let it slide that they allow COP to greenwash like a police state as Naomi Klein wrote an article, um, titled that. Um, but yeah, basically very weird vibe. The anti-blackness was also very wild, <laughs> um, in Egypt itself. And then in the conference itself as well, like old white ladies putting their hands in my hair. I'm getting a badge now that says, don't touch my hair. That I'm going to, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm going to like, my therapist has instructed me as well to, I'm getting a badge, a big badge that says, don't touch my hair when I have my hair in Afro and yeah. I'm just going to wear it around because I can't be asked. Um, slap therapy yeah, afterwards, so the, all, like for them, <laughs> for the white ladies. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Yeah, so I think I think I wanted to say that stuff because that's the context that I have been unable to give whilst I was there. Mm. Because whilst I was there, like, and I think it's fair, like, there was a level of like a significant level of stress, yeah. like of and be an and inability to say this stuff, and then and then I'd be like wanting to say thing more things in solidarity with people who are like oppressed there, but then like also trying to balance that with my own safety and was quite difficult, mm-hmm. um, and then getting like constant dms and tagged in dms by being like michaela loach is saying nothing about the this like uh, she obviously doesn't care about solidarity and i was like oh this God. is i like i don't think yeah. people realize like how like unsafe even like we felt and mm-hmm. that there was that differing pressure and it's just one time where i think i was like i'm actually going to put my safety kind of like first in this situation like yeah. I think that's and even even then i still did share things about like friella and things like that exactly and, like, yeah um but i was like trying to do it in a way in which it would still keep me as, as as safe as I as I could be um because of just yeah I don't know I was like this is a bit of a worrying time um mm. but on that outside of that what actually happened to cop because people might be wondering that um so because there was so protest is illegal in Egypt as well so protest is completely illegal the things that did stress me out a bit more is that the week before, a few days before COP started, an Indian activist um, got arrested just for holding a placard that said, like, climate action now or something on it. Um, he was in Cairo, though, not in Sharm Sheikh. And he got arrested just for, like, holding, because you're just not allowed to have placards, you're not allowed to mm. protest. So it meant that actually there was a lot more, like, spaces inside the COP for people to, like, build community and resist because it just wasn't possible outside of it. Um and so, like, there was a lot of movement building, community building that happened inside mm-hmm. the COP itself. Um, I think our event, like the um, the the live Yikes event, was one of those kind of instances. Um, but there are many others. There was a Children and Youth Pavilion where a lot of um, kind of, like, yes, solidarity building stuff happened. And it was really, really beautiful to see the global movement kind of, and not all, not all of it, obviously, but a lot of people from all over the world coming together mm. um, in solidarity. And um, from the COP itself, from the negotiations, um 
I think it was it can be described as a tale of two cops so it was a huge success and a huge failure at the same time mm. so um when it comes to loss and damage which is basically like wanting there to be money given to repair the loss and the damage that's already been done it's a um a principle rooted in like justice and and um it actually climate justice in particular like it it addresses the um gross inequalities and in who created the crisis and who experiences the impacts um on that this was the first time ever in over 30 years of campaigning from nations all over the world from civil society groups that there has been a loss and damage agreement which is a mm. huge 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 success um so important. there's obviously so much that needs to be done still yeah. and pushed through like what's this going to look like how are people going to get the finance how do we make sure it's not just to governments and it goes to communities yeah. but like this going through like it was a it was a fight <laughs> by mm. a lot of people um and i think that we should celebrate it um and that it's something that was previously deemed impossible um but it's like the impossible has been made possible by it but on the huge failure side, like, um, sadly, there's still, like, all, all fossil fuels are still not mentioned in, the, in a text for the climate agreement. It's like wild, yeah. And the reason why is because there were 636 fossil fuel lobbyists there. Yes. Like, to give that context, like, that's more than any delegation from any, like, um, most impacted nation. Like, that's ridiculous that's that there's crazy. more fossil fuel. Yeah. yeah. And it, and yeah, people were saying that... Um, if you're having a conference about like respiratory health or lung health, you shouldn't have the tobacco industry there. Mm. Um, or if you're having a, like a conference about malaria, why are the mosquitoes sitting at the board? Like that <laughs> is kind of what's happening. Yeah, yeah. That's what's happening with COP. Um, it is, and that's why I think that one thing that oh yeah, so to get to give context, that eighty by the end, eighty states, say eighty nations, were pushing for a phase out of all fossil fuels, which would be like wild to go from them not being from only coal being mentioned. That was only the first time in Glasgow to go from all fossil fuels being phased mm. out rather than down would be huge. And 80 nations saying that is a really huge, huge. deal, um, but it still didn't go through. And the reason for that is because the fossil fuel industry has a huge amount of exerts a huge amount of force and pressure and some of these fossil fuel industry people are there, or a third of them were there with their party delegations. They mm. had access to rooms and places that activists didn't have. Um, also to give, also just to people know, the US was like the big stinker of this conference. Like they were the ones who Obviously. were getting the way of loss and damage <laughs> of fossil fuel stuff for so long. And then at the end, they suddenly like changed their tack and were like, oh, we're actually behind all this stuff. And things yeah, because they so, realised it wasn't going to go through anyway. Yeah, and now yeah, they yeah. can like look like, oh, they're one of the supporters. When actually they were like, yeah pisses me off like that's not what accountability no, looks really like does. but mm. no like they just decide like at the end when it's not actually going to go through yeah. like oh actually actually yeah. we actually we actually supported that we actually do I mean, care. when they were the ones getting in the way yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they don't give a fuck yeah um but what's really important i think for the next cop um and for future climate conferences is we need a conflict of interest policy now like yeah. we need it to be that these fossil fuel lobbyists are unable to get there because the reason why fossil fuels haven't been included is because of their presence and if we get them out i think there's a lot more pro progress that can be made i think that that needs to be like a significant call from mm. the climate justice movement and um, for these conferences is like we we need to be strategic about how do we remove these people and it should it should be it shouldn't be that like the fact that there's more there were more at this conference than at glasgow is wild at glasgow there were 500 and something and now there's 636 like we should be having less yeah. people coming not more like we there's a lot more yeah. we should be doing um we were i mean before we started this recording we had like this huge kind of um talk between us about like the legitimacy mm. of cops and stuff and like maybe this is topic for another mm. for another time but i think like what you're saying right now of like you know like how do we whilst we have that and whilst this international platform 
and, you know, like continues in a way that like we need to leverage in some way, like how do we get these people out, like out of the room, you know, mm. like it shouldn't be a, a negotiation for profit for more fossil fuel, um, which it is right now, therefore. So, yeah, I think that's like something really important that you just shared um, that people, I think, also yeah, can like but- organize for. Right. Because mm. right now for the next year. Yeah, and I think that this is this thing that I think that I, without getting into it too much, like I think that I previously thought that there was like a dichotomy between either cops are great or they're terrible mm. and we shouldn't engage in the tool. And I think that there is actually an in between. I think that like the reason why they there's obviously a plethora of reasons, but one of the biggest reasons why they haven't been giving us enough is because of the presence of these fossil fuel industry people. Mm. And I think that if we all, if every single person who like wants a livable future and wants to disengage from fossil the fossil fuel industry completely doesn't like boycotts cop and doesn't attend then then their presence is only going to be more powerful i think in those spaces like i think we do need people who are going to strategically push back and try and Mm. challenge things um and i think i saw a lot of people who are doing that really brilliantly um on loss and damage on fossil fuels on a lot of different Mm. things um the fossil shout out to the fossil fuel non-proliferation treaty as they did some really brilliant work there and are continuing to do like some really brilliant work throughout cops um and I think, yeah, I think that it, it, I just realised that everything's a wee bit, a wee bit more new and new. What's that accent? Um, <laughs> Trying your Scottish accent again. Yeah, it's coming out. It's coming out. Miss you, Scotland. Um, I haven't been back to Edinburgh. Sorry, I, this is a bit of a side note. I'm like, I haven't been to Scotland or so since like, COP. I was in Scotland since COP. Yeah, yeah which is wild. Oh my like, gosh, what? I just read the most beautiful um, book about like, well, set in Glasgow and like all of the written like Glaswegian accent. Mm. I was just like, in my head, I was just like, I can do the accent now, mm. but obviously not. <laughs> That's region is beyond me. Do it me. for us right here. If, if you think you can do it, show us. No, 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 no. I said no, no, no. I'm not embarrassing myself publicly like this. And you cannot embarrass me like that. I, I, was, I was about to do it. I was about to do it. And I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not about to um, get piled on for having <laughs> checks in. Yeah, basically, I think that I think there is a value, and I think I I learned a lot about cops from this cop because last cop, I had no idea what the fuck mm. I was doing. I'm not gonna lie, like I was just like yeah. I got accredited, I got a badge like really late on. Mm. I was in there like didn't know what I was doing, had no plan, like randomly challenging politicians, did not know. Whereas this cop, I was like, I'm gonna have a plan. I'm not gonna burn out. I'm gonna look yeah. after myself. I'm gonna like try and be strategic. And I think I got a lot more done in a much more strategic way. And I also like came to understand the cop process a lot more because I was like quite like well thanks to in particular um shout out to um Stephen Leonard um who is a climate lawyer and legend who really like supported mm. like me in a way of like just letting me know what's going on we have um I I teach Steve about um prison abolition he teaches me about cop um, <laughs> this is our our knowledge exchange nice I love that <laughs> um which um is quite nice um so yeah basically it was an interesting time to say a bit of what I did I just I I like ran a couple events um including a dive day which was like the most lovely thing in the whole world just to give people like especially to give BIPOC climate activists rest and it was just like was it like we had people in our just say a bit on that we had people in our group who'd like never seen the ocean before never been in the ocean before like 
because we have people in our group who are from like indigenous communities in Ecuador and Amazon or just from like mm-hmm. landlocked nations. And so they've been in rivers and, and things before, but mm-hmm. never in the sea. And just being able to like, I don't know, facilitate that connection to nature was just so beautiful. And like, and also I think there's something that someone reflected to me on afterwards is they were like, what, what, they're like, what you did there, what, what we did there was like community building as well. Like it was, mm-hmm. um, people just, being able to be people and like get to know each other as people rather than just all being about work and yeah. and get to really build like critical relationships that I think because everyone was a climate justice activist like mm. from we had like I don't know 13 different countries I think at least I love um, that so much for you guys um, so nice it was it was amazing it was so worth all the effort that went in to make it happen um and if anyone's listening to this who is a funder of things, please do fun things to make activists happy yeah. <laughs> and to like give people rest and, and joy because that is so important. Um, people work so, so hard. And I think that giving people space for rest is so important. Um, so yeah, the, I did some panels, did some that were connected with a lot of different activists, communicated a lot of different things, had a lot of like conversations with people to try and challenge some stuff. Um, you say that as if that's like sort of like small things or oh, just hosted some panels at COP, you know? like pick yourself up yeah, a bit I more think... come on thanks i'm doing things because <laughs> like there is this like thing though with that people be like cop is because it obviously is people mm. like cop is about more than just panels and because it, it is it's like there's there's literally negotiations going on yeah that, but i think that um i do also think that having like i don't know for example some of the panel like i moderated this panel on the land gap report which is really um an interesting report I'd really recommend people mm-hmm. looking into it which basically has shown that countries' climate pledges are dependent upon, like, unsustainable and, like, just basically not realistic, unrealistic um, use of land. So currently global, like, for for crops globally, 1.2 billion hectares of land is used for crops. That same amount of land would be required to fulfil all of these, like, carbon offsetting and, like, carbon (laughs) removal plans that are meant to make, get us to our climate pledges. It's, It's fucking ridiculous. So, but, but that report is very, like, you know science um mm. we are scientists um if that makes sense so the audience was very like we are scientists <laughs> and um in moderating that space i was able to bring in like messaging on like prison abolition or like mm. other things into and weave it and show the connections and i think that that impacted an audience that i maybe wouldn't normally be able to like have conversations with or um and i think that that also has like a that. value and i yeah. think that yeah i think it was I think I also, in learning a lot about COP processes, I think I realised, like, I do not want to be a climate policy person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's long and not my skill set, but I yeah. really have a huge amount of admiration and respect for people who can, like, retain their, like, radical politics and still push in that space. And patience. There's a lot of people who are doing that. Mm. I'd be fucking fuming in that room. It's, but... Yeah, because it, it's all, like, people just... Ha- writing work like I don't know like the, all these agreements are very much like countries being like I don't like that word don't yeah. like that word don't like it and it's like people spending the, the the final plenary of COP didn't end until I think it was like seven in the morning yeah. like they went all night yeah. um, and it's because people are arguing over like t- and like just like individual literally and- individual words like it comes down to like because I remember, um, I think I said it before in like another episode of like when I first got at uni, like we did this like UN, um, like model United Nations where we pretended to like discuss as the UN, like, I mean, on a nerdy, like, but like, it was really fun. And I think it taught, <laughs> like taught me a lot of skills mm. of like even having to negotiate, like it's not debating, right? It's negotiating. Yeah. And also like mm. having to actually accept points that you fundamentally 
mentally disagree with and then having to like mm. present them which killed me inside like it was so hard but it, I mean it gave me mm. a lot of like skills and I learned a lot about these negotiations but it and then like people like at the conferences some people took it so seriously man they like they went away and then they came back like when everybody else partied because it was a you know I mean it was fake they would come back <laughs> the next morning they'd be like yeah so like the US and like I we have like sat together and we like wrote a whole new draft and you'd be like what the fuck and like <laughs> And people would vote it down because there was like one word that they didn't like. And I was like, oh my gosh. And this is real life for people. Like, so. But that's, I find that so interesting because I didn't, I was never involved with that stuff. Yeah. So I just, I didn't have this context. Like I've been learning all this stuff really recently. <laughs> um, but that's so funny that as kids, like though my, my only, apart from talking to you about this stuff, my only representation of this has been on like, never have I ever when Davies on the, she, the character she's on like the well, United UN thing. And they have these, and I was like, is this real life? Do people actually Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, do? mate, literally like, but it's so funny. Like the longer people were in the club like the more like de-stressed they get about this and like there were sometimes conferences with like 16 year olds who came from the US to Edinburgh to discuss and mate they were like trained to be like these like policy like nerds and they were like yes like um my country wants to do vertical farming in the Sahara Desert and everybody was like why would you do that but then they wrote up (laughs) then they wrote up a plan that like Everybody was like, okay, like I'll sign it. Don't worry. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Is, that is, yeah, that yeah. is very wild. That's, yeah, that's literally what happens <laughs> everyone. Um, in the real world, um, which is, which is very wild. Um, yeah, yeah that we, we have previously, and I, we can, we will again, I'm sure gone into like all the problems with the cop, but, um, for now I think I'm just, that's just a, a wee summary of mm. my, of my time there and of the, um, yeah, but I think, and yeah, I'm I'm actually glad I went. I think I was really worried about going. I was like, is this a good use of mm-hmm. my time, my energy? Um, should I even be in these spaces? Should we just be? And this has been my the big question of this year is like, what spaces should we engage with and should not engage with? Yeah. Um, but I think I'm glad that I decided to to show up. I think and challenge it a bit, and also just build connections and community with like my global comrades who mm-hmm. are working in so many different spaces. And and I think I learned like a huge amount not just about the cop process but about like how we resist from people just being able to be in community with people um and speaking of how we resist um do you see what i did there yeah. <laughs> smooth um, smooth um let i want to hear a bit about um the stuff you've been involved with joe during yeah the same time. um but i just want to say like i i mean i because i was in such different spaces so i barely followed Mm. much what was happening but I mean I still saw like kind of your stuff and other people that I knew who were there and I'm yeah I'm really proud of you like what you did there because I remember also last year how we were kind of running around in Glasgow I mean me I never even found the entrance hall to this cop I don't know (laughs) I was just outside like hanging around in the alternative (laughs) summit I was like yeah I don't know what's going on but you know I mean I remember from you guys like who were inside and stuff and it sounded really like this time despite everything that was going on and um you know the stress of it and everything that like it you, yeah you were able to hold like host and mm-hmm. be held in like different spaces this time which yeah it's just really nice mm-hmm. to hear yeah, and sure. i'm really glad um i mean kind of coinciding with cop um so i've been organizing and active with um this global youth-led movement called enfossil um and it kind of like rolled out so maybe before saying something um in coinciding with cop basically um basically it's a um youth-led 
uh, movement that wants to phase out or demands uh, the end of the fossil fuel uh, economy and uh, using the kind of the action or strat strategy of occupying educational sites. Um, and so kind of this wave of occupation mostly started uh, with the beginning of COP. So there were a couple of them in the US and Germany and elsewhere um, before um, kind of to yeah hype up kind of the, the international movement. So it's spread across four nation, uh, four country, ugh, what am I saying? It's spread across four continents at the moment. Um, and actually in the panel that Michaela at COP hosted, um, one of the panelists, which is recorded in the previous episode, Ray, um, sh they are also part of the network in uh, Mexico. And so, mm. yeah. And so I've kind of been more, I mean, obviously since I'm based in Europe, I've been organizing here in with some of the groups um, and just kind of to kind yeah, talk about the principles and the demands that the groups are bringing forward. So it's an international coordinated network, which means that this global demand against the fossil fuel industry um, persists across all of them. Um, the, any group can basically start at their locality uh, because it's a decentralized network. Um, and you only have to follow three principles, which is uh, your youth led, you follow a climate justice framework, super important, and that we occupy until we win, which doesn't mean there's one occupation that runs for X amount of time, but also it means you come back, you come back, and we have sustained struggle against the fossil fuel um, economy. And that's then often met more with like national and local demands. So for example, in Germany, um, actually an event or demonstration that happened also at COP um, that Michaela, I think, and other people put on the Instagram was uh, Debt for mm -hmm. Climate. So that's one of the demands that the German network follows on national scale, which is basically the erasure of Amazing. debt of um, the Global South countries that Germany, for example, mm -hmm. plays a role uh, in expropriating and exploiting through colonialism um, which started the, the climate crisis and fueled the climate crisis to this day. Um, Germany also, for example, in their national demands follows, um, that the campaign Enough is Enough in Germany, Genug is Genug, mm. um, which looks a lot more at like social justice, impoverishment of working class communities, better working conditions, stuff like this. Um, they go against kind of coal mining in Germany where, um, mm. a village that's occupied by activists in order to, kind of prevent the coal mine expansion uh, that German government mm -hmm. uh, pursues. And I think a lot of people don't realize that Germany pursues that still. Um, mm. But yeah, so kind of like following them. And I think it's it's super interesting because in Germany, kind of the network really like works with these like campaigns. Um, yeah. And then in other countries, it's very different where maybe more um, demands of like, for example, in Portugal, the demand was... Um, to have a, a specific date, so 2030, um, to be the end of the fossil fuel economy and to remove the minister of the economy, Antonio Costa Silva, uh, who's an ex-fossil fuel uh, executive. Um, and then, for example, in Barcelona, they had mainly demands to their own uh, university. And they actually met mm -hmm. the one that now um, at the University of Barcelona Every student has to get a mandatory class on climate change or like a course, not just a Amazing. class, a, a course. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and they're also kind of talking about quitting like fossil fuel banking and investment into the uni. So they were super mm -hmm. successful. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, yeah, just kind of talking about maybe my own experiences. Um, I think occupations are always this um, kind of negotiation for a group of how much disruption you want 
like where, mm -hmm. who are you targeting? I mean, and especially, I mean, occupations often come out of more like local struggles of maybe resisting evictions, uh, housing struggles, mm -hmm. um, kind of, yeah, like very tangible local things that are also very like mm. that need immediate action. Whereas with this, it is a little bit more abstract because obviously climate change is here and climate change is impacting all of us, even though unequally. But um, mm -hmm. having an occupation also at the university side is something that was deliberately chosen because, they, mm -hmm. I mean, coming a lot of them, a lot of the activists in the movement come out as Fridays for Future or just school or like other climate movements that first of all needed a escalation of tactics just based on the fact that now a climate strike is yeah. kind of like accepted more or less. I mean, not everywhere, yeah, yeah. but, you know, like it's getting more and more like... Um, Yeah, just kind of seeing like, okay, like that's happening. Great. Like, you know, why don't mm. we like draw placards in school even now? And so this like escalation yeah. of tactics. And also there's something of recognizing that a lot of the youth, you know, many of them can't vote or haven't, mm. or it's their first time now, or like politically otherwise, um, they don't have accessibility to a lot of spaces. And so it means making your voice heard at where you are positioned at, where you are even supposed mm. to learn for a future. But often I know this from my own experiences at, you know, during my bachelor, especially where any type of critical theory was, you know, just very much like brushed on the table. You learn about The weather's changing, you know, and okay, like, you know, <laughs> poverty, poverty is, yeah, like poverty is there. Okay. Yeah. And like, you know, even though I was yeah, in, yeah, in like yeah. courses that were supposed to be critical about this, it wasn't at all. And mm. so mm -hmm. I think like making your voice heard where you're positioned at. And um, it was really amazing. We went to this um, conference in Leipzig, the System Change Conference, which is organized by the Youth of the Left Party. And we did kind of like this workshop there. Um, I mean, there was um, people from Anne Fossil who talked and we uh, talked with a lot of young people there. And a 16 or 15 year old person was saying how, you know, like, but what's the like the use if you don't have economic impact? And like, you know, like that's not like a general strike yet. Like we need to do a general strike. And um, mm -hmm. I mean, first of all, it was amazing to be at a conference where so many young I mean I think it was like up to 35 or something people like on the left were like organizing I met a comrade from mm. Scotland it was super random and lovely um mm. but there for example a whole discussion started of how can we now like mobilize even you know school occupations with unions and get in touch with workers and like use kind yeah. of also the a certain privilege that you have when you are at university or college or or high school where you have time and you are in a certain, even though there were certain evictions that we faced, um, also like police um, and police violence in, in some aspects and other kind of groups um, chose to chose to leave when they either didn't have the capacity themselves anymore or when kind of, yeah, the school was giving them ultimatum. So there was kind of a range of how people responded and how groups responded based on what they could and what they wanted to do. Mm. But um, like now this like increasing in like, okay, so what do we do next? Like, how do we get in touch with workers, right? And how does, for example, mm. a school and uni occupation relate to worker strikes? And I mean, in Leeds, for example, last year, I think in Edinburgh as well, um, there were school and uni occupations in solidarity with workers who, if they did this, mm. they would be fired mm. But because students yeah. have this privilege, right? Um, and so for me, it was, I mean, 
it's a roller coaster experience, I think, always when you are in community. So, and also like somewhat, I don't want to even say precarious situations because I also don't maybe want to overdramatize a, a struggle because it, even though it's hard conditions sometimes, it's also a protected space in some ways. And mm. um, you also do know that there's a certain shelter, even when police acts in a certain way, but it's at a university in countries often where things done to students is very much frowned upon. And so mm. that was something that, you know, we you still, I mean, you still feel, you know, like when the police is in your face, like which in one mm. of our cases it was, it's still, I mean, shocking to people. And, but also, so kind of in preparation of that, it, you build community, but also the way that you relate to each other, right? Like we cooked food for mm. just anybody who wanted to join, like, and that was often workers that were students that were like, people passing by um we -hmm. built a lot of community within each other we learned a lot um stuff like from like external people who came and gave workshops and also internally and i think this kind of negotiation within a group of like community building resisting building is something that like yeah i just find so beautiful and there's Mm -hmm. still a lot of occupations happening right now and also in december um, so if people want to look up, if there's something in their town, um, just kind of look on End Fossil um, on the website. They should have like a pin on the map um, and also get in touch. Like it's a decentralized network. You can do kind of whatever level you want to do of occupation to solidarity actions to just visiting another occupation and learning from them. Um, and to me, I think, I mean, I, I mean, I shared with you sometimes, I was like, I'm so tired. Like it's been three hours and it's super cold. The uni is blasting cold air mm. or like, you know, um, or just, but also like there's so much beauty in being together and also learning mm. like how, like, I mean, if you have like an affinity group and then a buddy or something, you know, somebody that I didn't know before now, like we know each other of like, okay, if this happens, you go there, I go there. Mm. Like even if my if even if I want to do something else, I'm committed to you. And so if you change your mind, I will follow you. You know, like there was one action where um, people stormed the conference of where the economic minister in Lisboa uh, was supposed to speak and people disrupted and um, mm. the police hit down, like cracked down pretty hard on activists. Um, mm. A lot of people were like hit and dragged across the floor also by their necks and kind of this mm. it's it wasn't a taser but people like came out with these like marks on their bodies and but like immediately the way that like I don't know it may, gives me chills even now like the way that we like sang outside but then also like people immediately like grabbed each other like hugged each other took care of each other shared mm. you know like the food that they had and and like I don't know there's a community building and like not rom- to romanticize the like struggle of of these things but like Knowing, for example, like the person that I was buddied up with, we had different ideas how we wanted to commit in the action. And it was like, you know, whatever the other person who didn't want to commit felt comfortable with, we were going to do. Right. And this is something Mm -hmm. that like, I think often we are not taught in the normal, in a capitalist society, right, that you put other people's Mm -hmm. uh, needs before your wants and I think mm. always these spaces where resistance and building is are met is something that I notice more and more our capacity for care to, towards people that we have no commitment to even usually. 
and um, also the past, like p people passing by, the way that people extended just care and like wanting to be connected to was so beautiful that like for me, yeah, I didn't sometimes, like most of the times I didn't notice how tired I was until after, like since then I've just been sleeping. So apparently I was tired, but I was just running on adrenaline. And so, yeah, that was a little glimpse of, um, of that. Um, and I would, yeah, I would encourage people to look up the movement. It's so beautiful. And I think there's a lot of potential to change things within your lo like local university whilst knowing that it's not about that only like it's about even when you meet your local demands yeah. the struggle continues because it's about the entire you know fossil fuel mm -hmm. economy and beyond like I think mm -hmm. having for example in Germany talking about reparations about social justice like yeah. it's very beautiful how young people are mobilizing and wanting to learn from others and using the means that they have mm -hmm. to to do whatever they can so yeah different ways both of us were doing like community building mm -hmm. stuff and building relationships and I I think I keep coming back to that as like something that is just so important and Adrian Marie Brown talks about it a lot mm -hmm. as like um wanting like critical connections over critical mass and like the importance of like us actually investing in each other and like yeah. building those spaces work whether it be through an occupation or like at a cop or wherever it or in your yeah. local community or with your neighbors or whatever it is like um, yeah, how do we build those connections and those relationships mm. that, and that, and it's those I think that will really transform the world around us, like because we'll be able to trust each other enough to do occupations like that, for example. Yeah. That there's a huge amount of trust that has to be put into each other, um, for us to do these kind of things and mm. to, for us to feel like we can. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that's that's so really beautiful. I'm really glad that you had like the beautiful side of it as well as, mm. as the intense side. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think I mean look at. I mean, I mean, I mean, this is another word that people will rip me <laughs> apart for, but, um, <laughs> no shame. Sorry, I don't um, know that really got me. Um, no, but no, I, just for context, everyone, if you're, if you're new, um, the main thing that gets put in reviews is that we both say like a lot, but whatever. <laughs> well, like, uh, like <laughs> no, actually not just saying whatever, it's because of context yeah. anyway, but anyway, you can listen to another episode. I mean, like now that, that people have said it, like, do you listen to it? And I'm like, fuck's sake, but like, whatever. Um, just said that again. But also, like, Joe, Joe speaks multiple languages. No, but give, I give her a break, guys. Yeah, I mean, no, but also... In some ways it's excuse, but in some ways that's also true. Like my brain is, it's just not a priority. Anyways, moving on. What I did want to say <laughs> is, um, do you remember, I mean, when we were both active in like XR in 2019, like early 2019, yeah. and we were also part of like, you know, I mean, occupation or social movements that mm. were claiming space, I think is maybe also a good word. Mm. And, um, but also like the amount of people that you rely outside of that, right? Like the solidarity kitchens mm. that will bring us food. And often yeah. I think sometimes when you're in a certain like space and, and this even hit me, like when I was in occupation, I was like, are we like, is this, 
you know, this is so small compared to the the things that we are like talking about and mm. that we want to change and that like my visions for the future are so much bigger than where I am right now and I'm like frustrated and I'm excited and I'm like, there's so many emotions that come up. And then when you step out of it and you like think about all of the community, but also of like all of the like kind of connections you made, whether that's like, you know, there were people that we were looking towards, for example, at COP where we like, I, I looked at their stories daily and for example, yours and like, you know, it just like inspired me or I, or I heard a, a thing about people who are talking about socialization of like means and mm. like how do we get company into the commons again and like anti-profit you know and so like there were so many connections with people you know who knows if I go if I'm going to see them again and like how our paths would have usually crossed if if mm. even these small community spaces that sometimes seem if insignificant that are not right and like yeah I don't know I think it just like really hit me in the last and then, days and then these people will like shape you that's yes, what I think it's yeah. so that's why I think these connections are so important because we all shape each other. Like I also just finally finished reading Parable of the Sower and like how... How amazing you know, is it? All that shape and stuff. Really intense, but really yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, but I did give like a thousand... One of the most intense group of, yeah, you need, Trigger warnings. You did. You were like, trigger warning for everything. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's like um, how you go into it. But like, yeah, really beautiful. And I think especially of like how like, the only thing that we know about the like the life or world is change and yeah. and that, that is inevitable um and everything we change changes us and mm. um i think that's really yeah really beautiful but but that's what i think i mean i don't know through it was through those I've, i'm still so connected with a lot of people that we did those occupations or yeah claiming spaces with and that and they've changed they i mean i've had to think about this a lot more especially in in writing my book is that i was like like I really want to make sure I'm honoring all the people that have changed me mm. and transformed me because like I only have been able to know this stuff or communicate this stuff because of like all of like a like a legacy of people who have we've all changed each other and we've all like learned from each other and I think that that's so so like wonderful and, mm. and beautiful and um yeah and I, I don't know I'm like when people I think when people were like oh how do you I mean people I don't know if people say this to you but people were like how do you communicate this stuff well? Whatever. I'm like, it's because it's just because I've had like a bunch Why is that of such a like people. witchy I, voice? As if you just crawled out the forest. No, I was trying to do a voice other than my own, and that came out. Okay, I was trying to break it. But all I think I'm just trying to say is that I just from having a lot of conversations, yeah. and I also from listening a lot, and like, it's not like it all. I think sometimes we act as if like everything just comes from a person. I'm like, no, it doesn't. Like we're mm. all connected to each other and we all impact each other. And I think that's really, really beautiful and cool. And I think that focusing on those connections and community building stuff is so important. Also, on that note, why don't you pluck your fucking book? I feel like I kind of already did, but I can no, just, do I it can again. Say do it. it again. I can say it a bit more. Okay. <laughs> um. So my book, it's not that radical. Climate action to transform our world. Um, is the book that I wish existed. Um, it's basically, it's an accessible um, book about climate justice. And um, I think, and this is obviously with all due respect to the people, some other people who've written about climate justice, um, but some books have either, like, in my opinion, like misinterpreted climate justice, like really kept t- taking it away from radical the radical roots of it. Um, or books can be like quite um, inaccessible for the majority of people who like aren't in academic spaces. Um and to be honest, the inaccessible books are incredible. <laughs> they're like, there are so many amazing books out there. But it's just that I don't feel like I could give that to like my pal who I went to school with or like my parents or 
who are not already deep in the the conversation yeah yeah. just for folks who aren't like already like in that space and i really just wanted to create something that could be given to folks who aren't already like i don't know how many years deep into the activist journey and could maybe like spark um so and galvanize more people is the point of it it's not maybe just a book that people read like i'm hoping that it's a book that like moves people to action um mm-hmm. otherwise what's the point um it's definitely not about people reading it and being like i feel good i know things it's like no <laughs> like do something please um but yeah it tackles whiteness and capitalism and um the fossil fuel industry and individualism and neoliberalism and all these all these things um and reframes the climate crisis um or the or climate solutions um as that we can actually demand so much more than the same world but green we are not only fighting to save but also to transform um and that's what the book is is about and it's a book about hope i'd hope so at least um no it's definitely a book about hope um and i'm really proud of it and joe helped me um a lot with the capitalism chapter and his big legend um so and it like other people have fed into different bits of it of course like it's not it's not just not 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 just um my my little brain um i'm really grateful to be working with dk um and my editor molly price who has been so supportive and and kemi um as well from my agency um the good literary agency which is a social enterprise um literary agency and um kemi is a fucking legend um and I'm really grateful for her as well. There's, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm like, I'm so excited. Um, I'm so excited. <laughs> Basically, what she's not saying is that people should pre-order book right now because also it you taught me this that it determines where the book is yeah, like yeah. placed in the store and blah 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 so yeah, basically yeah. what you need to do is pre-order like four books and then for the rest of like the birthdays of that year you can just give that to everybody <laughs> um at my friends I mean, all that, of you I, will that, get the book <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, Joe messaged me yesterday and was like, I've already bought three copies. It's true. Um, like, this is what everyone's getting from now on, um, which is so, which is like ridiculously kind. I'm really grateful for all the people who've supported so far. And yeah, to give context, like pre-orders, I didn't know this until I was in the publishing world, but pre-orders have like a huge impact mm. on like how well a book does in the long term. And by well a book does, I mean in like whether retailers put your book as like a recommended book or whether they put it near the front of the store in the window or like if they just like have one copy in the back of the store like it it impacts how many orders big retailers will like order to their stores and stuff like that as well and obviously like I want this book to reach as many people as possible and um, that's why I've given like a year of my life or have much longer to writing it um and um I've worked pretty hard on it and like I do think it is a really good book I'm buzzing. I'm so um, excited. <laughs> I'm so proud but, um, of you. It's going to be amazing. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for supporting like on this whole journey and beyond. Like while I've not been able to talk about it publicly, it's just been nice to have people. And I also got really like um, superstitious about it. So I was like, I don't want to tell people. Like even though I could have told some people mm. in my life, I don't know. I was just like I, I don't. I don't know. That clip from Julia, what's the face, um, Julia Fox, being like. I don't like to speak of things before they're finished, but <laughs> it's a masterpiece. Um, she's an icon. Um, <laughs> she's just also like um, another quote from Julie Fox that I'm now going to take on just because I have to finish writing it at some point. So um, she put on her story, which I think is the most unhinged thing ever. She was like, 
don't fucking call me. Don't hit me up. I'm writing my fucking book. <laughs> she was like, she was like, Who I don't she? care if you're my friend. I don't care. She is a random supermodel who's just very unhinged in like a hilarious way. And that she's, I don't she's even know what this, no one knows what this book is about. Yeah. It's, it's like these clips from her are just like, what is going on? But anyway, she put that on her story recently. And I'm like, sorry, that is also in my zone yeah. for the next like yeah. <laughs> couple of weeks while I finish it. Um, but yeah, basically, please pre order it. Really helps, especially as a first time author, especially the first time like black author. The publishing industry is incredibly wild for many reasons, but also that they just, like, often don't believe that, like, black books will do very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I think it's, like... And also they don't believe that climate books often will, like... They think that no one wants to read books about climate. By they, I mean, like, the publishing industry at large. DK have, like, obviously really believed in my book um, and have, like, championed it and, like, fought for it from yeah. the start. Um so, but we need to show them. We're going to show them that, like, yeah, people do want these books, mm-hmm. um, and that this will be the first of many from many black authors about climate. Um, and I'm hoping that we see, like, we have more and more voices coming mm-hmm. out. Um, and yeah, I'm super excited about it. So the link will be in this um, the show notes of this, and it's also on my Instagram. Like, it's quite easy to find because I'm. <laughs> trying to link it everywhere even though i get really nervous about like talking about it i'm not good at like promoing things often yeah. but um this is i'm gonna get i have to get better <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and it's i mean yeah you've put like so much into it like it's you know yeah you should be proud of it and promote it as much as you should and want and me too <laughs> don't know what that what that promo line was but okay i won't be going into marketing anytime soon but you know <laughs> i mean no, both both you, we both also shown that from our like awkward patreon ads or oh like gosh, anything yeah. we're always like we're just not good at just um, two capitalist babes in a capitalist world it's still my favorite line two, though anti-capitalist oh babes. my gosh no you just said two <laughs> capitalist babes <laughs> no guys it's been a long week I just exposed myself for forever. No, anti-capitalist yeah, babes. Um, and you heard it here first. <laughs> Joe is really capitalist. Um, I just want to be a meme. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, yeah, thank big up everyone who's already supported. Like, really nice that people have come up to me on the streets or in at COP saying they pre-ordered it. Like, means the world that people are believing in it mm. this early. Um, and, yeah, really excited about it. Um, but I think we're going to wrap up this episode I think now. so. Um, thank you all for like sticking around for this whole season. Yeah. Um, I've really enjoyed it. We've had like a really diverse amount of episodes mm. about those different things. We've had some incredible guests on this season. Like, shout out to all of them. If you haven't listened to this whole season, do go back and have a yeah. listen through to the on the front lines episodes and the main episodes. Check out all the groups. Check out all the guests. Support all the things. <laughs> um, and like, yeah, thank you, Joe, for like doing this season with me. It's mm. been a joy as always. And you as well. Yeah, it's. I'm really proud of us. Um, yeah mm, it's kind of like I'm kind of sad right now to like end it because we just had so much fun recording and I'm like oh now it's over I know and every time we manage to get a time to actually record yeah. together we like enjoy it so much it's just because yeah life. yeah I really really love it and like this podcast means just everyone like this podcast means so much to us yeah. um I think it's been like a light in a dark time often mm-hmm. especially during the pandemic um the height of the pandemic and the pandemic is not over um and I'm grateful for all of you, especially our Patreons or anyone who's ever been a Patreon yeah. um, for supporting the podcast and making it possible um, for us to like pay our team or guests or or pay the bills that are required for a podcast. Like you are yeah. all absolute legends for um, coming together as a community and supporting this space. We really appreciate it. Yeah, a lot. So yeah, I guess you will find out on our social media when we are starting again. We will announce it mm-hmm. at some point. Right now with disorganized beans, but there will be an update. And um, yeah. yeah, so you can follow us at 
The Yikes Podcast on yes. Twitter. <laughs> on, no, on Instagram. And Instagram. <laughs> we always, this happens every time. <laughs> and on Twitter, you can follow us at The Yikes Pod. Yes, that's right. And if Twitter's still around by the if, time this episode comes out. Fair point, <laughs> fair point. Um, yeah, and Michaela, your socials? Uh, you can find me at Michaela Loach on all social media platforms. Mm. And me as Trees and Peace on Instagram and non-existing Twitter maybe soon. Josephine Becker, um, not sure. And yeah, thanks again to Finlay, obviously. Um, his Instagram is Finlay Moed. Um, you can also find some of his projects there. And we just want to say thanks again to Finn for, yeah, kind of being part of the project for so long. And yeah. Uh, he mm. will be missed but I'm excited for his new adventures so yeah yeah for sure and sending so much like everyone sends so much love and good vibes to Finn for um, yeah. his future endeavours um, and yeah you can follow the Ikes pod oh we already said that we, we already said, said that, that. I embarrassed myself by not I'm knowing like, the things anyway so I, I mean I've, I've, I've joined you in the embarrassment <laughs> by, by saying it again um, but yeah thank you so much all for listening you can check out our Patreon as well pa- yes. um, it's just if you touch up search on Google the Ikes podcast Patreon it'll come up that's how this podcast is possible um, and we will see you in a while I guess maybe like I think before my book comes out in April that's yes, the, like, yes, that's yeah. the hope ah um, yeah and if you're and, funders with money and you want to support a community <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was very unhinged. No, no, I love that so much. Um, if your fund is with money, <laughs> go on, Jen. Yeah, where's um, I know where it's going. <laughs> then please support also the podcast. We are very, very critical in who you know we allow to like invest in our money, but we do actually need funds, like because there's bills to yeah, pay would, for this I, podcast. Like we're not lying. Like Acast and all of these platforms, they're spenny. So yeah. Please send yeah, us money. Please, I mean, yeah. <laughs> please send us money. Um, okay, cut this bit. Cut anyway, this bit. Yeah, if you're if you're if you're, if you're a funder, no, no, I think it's funny. If, if you're a funder, yeah, do please reach out. Um, I'm sure that many funders are going to reach out on this incredibly professional <laughs> request. <laughs> but for the for the rest of you who are not funders, um, we appreciate you. Have a brilliant rest of 2022, um, and see you see you next year sometime. See you bye. Next time. bye. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.